Welcome to Happily Ever After, the podcast where we talk about life's big stories. From breakups and breakdowns to icky secrets and happy endings, it's the stuff that makes us human. I'm your host, Hannah Harvey. I'm a writer and a parenting blogger at mumsdays.com. That's M-U-M-S-D-A-Y-S.com. I'd be really grateful if you could subscribe and leave a review because it basically means more people can find the podcast. And I also really love hearing from you. So please do contact me through Instagram at Mumsdays when any of your stories really and, and, you know, how you relate to the episode or even questions that you may want answering. You can find all the details from this episode in the show notes. Hello and welcome to Happily Ever After with me, Hannah. And today I've got a very special guest with Sophie Millican. Hello. Hello. Thanks for coming in. It's exciting. I know. So Sophie and I, we first met at a boot camp, a fitness boot camp. Doing star jumps. Back in the day, that was like, I think Reuben was two and he's now 10. That's scary, isn't it? Yeah. I still train with Phil. Do you? I do, yeah. Oh, I see his Instagram. Yeah. He's lovely. He is. Does no star job. jumps anymore. I just lift weights instead. Look at you. Easy. Progressed Easy. from the star jump. <laughs> In many ways. <laughs> well. So, and then we kind of reconnected again because you reached out when I was first going through divorce. Mm. Um, so yeah, we were reconnecting over that and the joy that it is because you too have been divorced, have you not? Yes, yes. So I, I was thinking about this this morning and it's been about, it's probably about nine years since I got my decree absolute. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's been ages, but it feels like less time, I guess, because we have a daughter. So there's been, you know, there's some level of contact, although it's quite little at the moment. Um yeah, so it has, it's been quite a while, but I think, yeah, I was thinking about it this morning because I was thinking about the fact that I was like the first person in, that I knew in my group of my age that got divorced and how yeah. crappy that was. And then now kind of looking around and I see, you know, people going through it over the years and kind of joining the gang. And um, and I guess that's probably why I do get in touch with people when I can see that that's happening and just be kind of like, hey, how are you doing? Are you all right? etc yeah do you know now you've said that I'm like you were the first person oh really that got in touch no with me way. and I was the same we're like that's a bit weird <laughs> no not at all I was like I literally don't know anybody get going through this and at the time I felt so lonely not because I didn't have people around me supporting me but just because I felt like the only person that's ever gone through this mm-hmm. and I then you reached out totally and you were like right, yeah. I've had the same experience and yeah. I, I know what it's like so it just felt really lovely to reconnect on that level like shit that you've had to go through that I did not know that I was the first person to do that so um, I'm glad that I did and I think it's yes I guess anyone that's going through it it's nice to to actually reach out to other people because you know like you and I we didn't know anyone that was going through it and Mm -hmm. it does feel lonely and it's almost like people don't really want to talk to you in case you give them the divorce lurgy and they don't want to be touched by that and and I think you know for most people that are in a marriage uh, or a serious relationship when they break up it's that whole weirdness of they did things together as a couple with other couples and I didn't get invited to stuff in the same way anymore and it was it was a bit crap to be yeah fair. yeah 
Definitely. And I think it, it certainly sorts out who your friends are. It does. Yeah. I lost a couple of friends during that time. Yeah. I think, do you know what? There was a, a friend who I lost around that time. And, and I look back, actually, and I wonder whether she was going through her own stuff um, work-wise. She was always really into work and took on a lot of stress at work and I wonder whether she was kind of depressed to do with something that was completely nothing to do with me whatsoever and just couldn't deal with my situation yeah and we were really great friends and we just like she just basically stopped talking to me she ghosted me and um yeah that was really rubbish so I lost her during that time but I, I look back and I, I don't feel you know particularly bad about her because I just think she I think she was going through her own stuff at the time but there's definitely that thing around people not wanting to um be linked to it in any way or don't know what to say maybe and that kind of thing which is a bit sad really I do think as well like I can understand it because there's a lot there was quite a lot of drama involved in mine and I think if you've got stuff going on it you might not have space for me then to be like this has happened and that's happened but you know you know that's fine whatever but I think the hard thing for people in divorce then is then to then say like for me it's different because I was blogging and I was trying to re-establish a career so it was like I'm going to tell you what's happening but for many people they'll just be really quiet about Mm. it and they won't say anything which is why I really like doing this because I'm getting people, I'm collecting my divorcees as I go along yeah, and people are getting club. in touch and being <laughs> like, this shit, thing's happening. I'm like, I know, but it, it does get better. Yeah, And that's what you were able to say to me. Definitely. It so does. Once you've kind of got all the legal stuff out of the way, yeah, you do get through it. Like I remember, um, you know, the point, the point that, our relationship broke down. I mean, it hadn't been good for for a while. But my daughter Jess, she'd just turned two, and he he's a very heavy drinker and and other stuff uh, that are, is not good for you. And we just we just weren't aligned with our lifestyles whatsoever. And it you know the drinking got worse, and it got to a point where enough was enough. And I asked him to leave, and she'd literally just turned two, maybe a few weeks before. And I'd only been running my business for six months at that point. So I'd had this really um, steady corporate career with John Lewis for years on really great money as well. Um, Had set this business up for literally six months in. And then we split up and we were divorced really quick, like within maybe four months or something. It was know, super, super fast. That, yeah, was like, it was super Whoa. fast. Mine took nearly three years. Yeah, well, we had less to, to argue over because he had nothing. So okay. he just tried to take what I had. And I was just like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. So um, it was quite quick. But I remember being in the spare room in that house six months into a new business and thinking, this is really shit. I've got no money, having gone from having a great job you know new business you don't have loads of money coming in straight away so no money a two-year-old that's just challenging in general Mm two-year-olds are right and feeling completely isolated in every possible way and then having financial challenges around the fact that my mortgage I think we've been paying 650 pounds a month between us for this mortgage at that point in time I couldn't get a mortgage on my own because I was self-employed. So my dad had to pretend to the bank that he was going to work till he was 75 to come onto my mortgage. But because he was old, the term went from 
say it was on 23 years or something, down to 11. So then the payment went from 650 up to about 1,200 quid. And I was earning nothing at this point. Oh so I just remember be a real clear vision, even now, of sitting in my spare room. Jess was at nursery and I was working away on the laptop thinking, this is properly crap. Like, this is proper rock bottom crap levels. But I knew that it would get better. And I, and I just kept my eye on the prize kind of thing and just thought, you know what, two years from now, everything's going to be different. And that was, I just kept telling myself, this is crap, this is crap, this is crap. And I thought, I'm just going to chuck myself into work because I knew that by working hard on the business, it would distract me because I'm always at my best at work. It is a great distraction from everything. And I knew that by putting those hours into the business, it would improve my financial situation, which solved lots of other problems. And that's what happened. Hmm. That takes a lot of self-worth, courage, all that kind of stuff that can Does take it? A, for me, yeah, I'm like, my confidence was really rock bottom at right. that time. But I suppose that's where different things come in. Like I probably threw myself into other things because I had a bit of financial space. Yeah. Whereas you're like... I was the opposite. You've got no choice whatsoever. You've just got to go for it. But, you know, you could have gone, right, fuck this, I'm going back to John Lewis. I did think about it. I did think about it for a while. And then the other the other thing that was frustrating, I guess, was, you know, that anyone, whether they're divorced or not, will have, will find is just around you know, childcare, like decent childcare, across the hours that you want at a price that you can afford. And I thought if I go back and get another job... Um, well, if I'd wanted to go back to John Lewis, I'd have had to move back down south, really, to be okay. on anywhere like that kind of money. Didn't want to do that because I, I wouldn't have had the support network that I needed. So for me to get a job back in Newcastle and the kind of money that I wanted, I knew I wouldn't get that. And I knew that I wouldn't get the flexibility that I would want. So I thought, well, at least when I work for myself, I've got a level of control over my calendar and I can you know, work in the evenings when she's gone to bed to maybe finish a bit earlier or still have a day off with her, those sorts of things. So for me, that flexibility and the absolute certainty that I would improve the financial situation at some point, that was better for me. Mm -hmm. So during that period... Like, I've got a question here about how did you keep your spirits and your energy high? Like, I don't think I did. You know? I, I'm like, I actually don't think I did. I think I, I remember crying a lot mm -hmm. um, and feeling really miserable and feeling really trapped. Like, I'm trapped with this too. I can't go out because my ex-husband um, never did overnights until Jess was about, oh God, maybe eight or nine, maybe even older than that, quite old. So there were no overnights. Um, we're now back in that situation where he hasn't seen her for a few months anyway. So we've got a whole other drama in that sense. She's 11 now. So I didn't have that freedom. My parents helped me a bit, but they tended to help me and still do for work reasons rather than for fun. So I felt yeah. like there was just no sort of re release. So it, it was hard. But I think I've always gained energy from work which mm -hmm. might make me sound a bit sad but I would argue actually if you love what you do that that's actually a positive thing I've always loved work I've always loved business so for me you know going and winning that work and and improving our financial situation was just such a motivator for me and you know I've been lucky that whatever business I've run 
I've had fantastic clients who are just genuinely really nice people and I've had brilliant teams that I've worked with and they lift you up and they know when you're having a bit of a crappy day and they'll slide the bar of dairy milk across the table <laughs> when they you know when they know that you need a bit of a lift or they'll just do something nice. I mean I've got two people in my current team who came across from the last business super super loyal. And both of them have come around and babysat for me, sometimes for days at a time so that I can go on a, a business trip or, you know, when I left my last business and set up the new one, I was emotionally drained because it was quite a brutal exit. And I went to Tenerife on my own for four days and Rachel and my team moved in and looked after Jess and took her to school every day so that I could go on that trip. I mean, you yeah. know, <laughs> they are like oh, employee goals, you know, yeah. team goals, just total legends. So I think there's something around who you surround yourself with and, um, you know, so someone um, in business world talked to me on a podcast actually a while ago about people being either radiators or drains so you want to hang out with those radiators that are going to give you the lift and the boost when you need it and anyone that's draining your energy you just haven't got time for that because particularly at that stage in life when you're feeling pretty bruised anyway the last thing you want is for someone to to drag you down even further so yeah you need to to take your energy where you can get it really yeah and I think really leaning on being able to ask for help is quite important mm. during that period. Mm. So I think there was a bit where um, I had the kids pretty much, well, I did for six weeks and I didn't know how long that time was going to last. So I was literally like on the phone to every parent at Ruben's school. Can he come for a play date? <laughs> <laughs> Can he stay overnight? Can he do this? And yeah, I needed it. I needed to know that I was going to have at least one night a week when I was on my own. It's so important. I'm feeling that at the moment, to be honest, because um, Jess hasn't seen her dad for maybe, I want to say about three months now, which is quite a long, it is a long time. And I, even though I'm, I'm away a bit for, for work, but because it's so full on, it doesn't feel, it's not a break, is it? It's not a yeah. break in that sense. And I get to the point where I'm like, God, we've spent too much time together just on our own. And actually I'm going to go mad and she's 11 and she's hormonal and so we don't we we can't spend that much time together so I'm trying to like bank a few play dates and yeah. sleep you know they're at sleepover age which is excellent so uh -huh. that kind of helps but you, you need it for your own sanity I'm a better parent when I've had a break and I'm back and I'm for sure you know just feeling a bit happier and jollier because mm. otherwise I'm quite I'm quite rag that's not cool no I had that experience fairly recently because their dad had been on holiday for a couple of weeks, mm. about three weeks. And towards the end, I was like, oh, this is a lot. And I had a bit of a breakdown on the beach involving a bee stinging me. Well, that's quite harsh. <laughs> the the sting wasn't that hard, but I was just like, oh, that painful. But I was like, I that just tipped me over an edge. <laughs> And then the very next day, they were, you know, back at school and back at nursery and I had a bit of time to myself and I recorded a podcast with Katie and just the process of doing that brought me back to myself. So I guess it's working out where you're going to get your energy from, yes. who your friends are that you can lean on when you need them. Um, yeah, like I turned up at my mum's and had a big cry and she was like really good and took them out and... That's what you need. Yeah. You need. And it does get easier as they get older because they are more sort of self-sufficient. Self exactly. You know, you're, 
your daughter's still quite young, you've still got a bit of a way to go in that sense. But, you know, oh, Jess goes to big school in September and yeah, I can just that. see that big change is coming and that she's just not going to want to hang out with me soon. So actually I need to make the most of it in yeah. some ways as well. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so nine years. Mm. Do How do you feel about dating? <sighs> Depends when you ask me, I, I, I guess. You know, I might give you a different answer next week. But um, Are you bothered? Like, is it something... I go through phases where, you know, I've ha- I have had relationships, um, mostly crap ones, um, since I got divorced. Uh, and I have dated. But I do go through phases where I just cannot be asked. Yeah. Where I just think, uh, I can't be bothered. I've met a load of morons and I'm busy with launching something with the business and I just think I haven't got the headspace for it so kind of go through phases and I also I am genuinely actually worried I was telling someone this earlier I'm genuinely worried about whether I actually have the capacity to live with someone again now because I've had one relationship where we kind of tried living together but it was it was just awful so he was always kind of in and out anyway um so it's like a four-year on-off relationship Mm -hmm. um that ended maybe three, four years ago now anyway, so it's kind of like in the middle. And that wasn't great at all. That was really toxic. And I think now I've become so set in my ways, like so set in my ways. Like I love eating my weird stuff that I like to eat that I would never cook for someone if they came round. I like watching what I want to watch on TV. I actually don't watch much TV either. So I'd rather go to bed early with a book. And for me, you know, like going to bed at like half eight or nine. <gasps> it's heaven. It's absolute heaven. But it's not really compatible <laughs> with a boyfriend. So I struggle a bit with stuff like that. And I just think, God, could I ever live with anyone again? And I've got, you know, I've got loads of space in my house. And I was like thinking, oh, if someone moved in and I had all this stuff there, like, do I want that? So it does worry me a bit because I think I would like to be with someone. But then also I don't want to be with the wrong person. And then... And I worry about my judgment because I've made such terrible mistakes in the past. And then and then I just kind of talk myself out of bothering. Really. Yeah, I was going to say, do you feel like you sometimes repeat old patterns? And I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think I do seem to go after guys that are just not right for me in but in different ways but just not right and I think when you come out of something and you've got you know the benefit of hindsight experience age all those things you can look back and go oh my god there were so many bloody red flags right at the start actually but when you're in it and you want it to work you just avoid them whereas now I think I've been out of it all for so long that I'm probably just seeing red flags everywhere and not maybe giving people a chance maybe yeah, it's tricky, that one. And I think as well, because um, I think we're attracted to a similar kind of guy, you know, yeah, someone who's dangerous. quite ambitious and like, um, I don't know, like probably a bit wild. Yeah. And so then when the nice guy comes along, you're like, oh, I think am I going to get bored with you when you just immediately assume... It's not going to work. There's definitely something in that, but I'm like, and and maybe this is why I'm, you know, I struggle with it all because I am attracted to that for sure. But then I am not like that. (laughs) Maybe I have been a bit when I was younger. I was never dead wild, but you know, I'd be out a lot and I'd be partying and stuff. But I would, I would would never describe myself as wild. Yet the guys that I used to go for were wild, and Mm. I just think, like, 
that kind of guy is not compatible with my going to bed at 8 30. Yeah, not, we've it's changed. It's not gonna, <laughs> it's not gonna, but I, I love it. I, love I do. That. And it's really, I think it's very important when you are a solo parent, not just a solo parent, but when you have young children or children at all. You can only be your best self if you've drunk, if you've slept enough, not drunk oh, enough. 100%, 100%. And, you know, obviously I know I know you don't drink now and I, I don't think I drink a lot, but when I do, I really struggle the next day and I don't even have to drink that much. Mm-hmm. I can have, like, because I'm obsessed with tracking my sleep, like, love it. It's just, like, <laughs> guilty pleasure, like, ooh, <laughs> how many hours did I get? What quality sleep was that last night? And, and I just get obsessed with it. And it stops me from drinking because I know that if I had one glass of wine tonight with my dinner, it will impact my restoration score on my sleep. No way. So then I think, well, it's not worth it. And then if I was to have, like, a big night out where I drink quite a lot... I'm so, so hanging the next day and then I'm just really angry with myself because I'll lose a whole day on the weekend and I just think, what a waste. Mm. Sometimes it's, yeah, it's nice and it's, it's worth it. And you still move in the businessy circles where there's like loads you know, of awards ceremonies yeah. and booze flying around yeah I was at such a good one last week I was at the um launch of of a new Ferrari (laughs) and they had Ferrari champagne which was really nice actually yeah this Ferrari champagne and they had um Rio Steakhouse where they're doing all the food and they'd set up a bar so you could go and get cocktails and like strawberry daiquiris and I was like "Mm, this is nice so yeah there's a lot of that but it's worth it it is sometimes worth it but I think as well you can't you too kind of get a bit bored of stuff like that because I get invited to lots of things like that and it is exciting and it's a novelty and you know Jess loves it when I come home with a good goodie bag she's mm-hmm. done well with those over the last month but you know I was looking at my diary for for this week and this is the first week that I haven't had events on of like most nights I was literally at something constantly for for about two or three weeks and I'm just like thinking now oh early nights all week lush it's nice that you've got that balance though so that you still are managing the early nights some weeks and other times you can be like just out and because it's that yeah another I was talking to another guest about that whole balance between motherhood and still nurturing your dreams and your ambition like where does your drive come from do you think um I don't know I've been asked this before. I ended up doing a blooming TEDx talk on it because someone asked me to I don't to know, do... but you can watch my TEDx. <laughs> you can watch my TEDx. Just pop my we'll name into in. YouTube. Yeah, yeah well, it, it, you know, I say that, but it, that was a genuine conversation. So I'd done this book launch a few years back now. I'd done this book launch, and, and after the book launch, two people that organised TEDx talks came up to me and said do you want to speak at our TEDx talk? I didn't really know what a TEDx talk, I'd never watched one before. So I just said yes to the first one and thought it's ages away, I'll just figure it out. Then realised it was quite a big deal and a bit scary because you have to do it live and you get one shot and that's it. And it was all these, you have to have like three meetings before they let you do it. And it was a bit intense. And I went along to the first meeting, it was in Birmingham and I went along to the first meeting and the organiser was like, right, so what's your idea? Because I hadn't had to pitch for it, I just got given it. I didn't have to apply or anything like, you normally do and I was telling her this idea and it was linked to my business and it was quite boring can't even remember what it was but it was quite boring but it was safe and at that point I never used to talk about anything personal because I didn't want people to know that I was a single parent actually because I didn't want them to have any sort of preconceptions of you know what I was about or think that I couldn't do the job whatever so I never used to talk about anything personal and she kind of 
threw her pen down in the middle of this meeting and was like, that's really boring. <laughs> she said, um, I want to know where your grit comes from. Like, where's that come from? And I remember you know, really directly asking me this question and I just started chatting away and she was like, right, that's your story, will you tell it? And I was like, oh my God, I feel really sick. But I did it and that was, you know, that was what the TEDx was and that led to two other things, cool things happening as well. But I think... Like, none of my family are entrepreneurial at all. They've all got dead normal jobs. They're all dead normal in general. And I think I've always been quite entrepreneurial. And I think that I get a sense, like, a bit of a thrill when I do business deals and cool things happen. And and I like the fact that in business, you can just rock up to, to something and something else exciting will happen off the back of it. Like my book launch, getting to do a TEDx talk. Yeah. You know, it's a snowball effect. And I think as well, when I was going through the divorce... That period of time where I had no money, like minus money, if anything, and started racking up all this debt with my parents. I was lucky that my parents could help me out, but I did have to pay them all of that money back. So I was getting in more and more in debt every month. And I think I owed them about 30 grand in the end because they were having to help sub me on this mortgage. And I'd had, you know, a really cracking salary before I'd set the business up. So it was a right you know, step down at a crap time in my life and I think I had and still have this insecurity around money and thinking oh my god what if it runs out and what am I going to do if I don't have it and for me it's not about having a nice handbag or a fancy holiday or whatever don't get me wrong I do like those things also however it's not all about that and you know I've lived quite happily without holidays for years and I've gone through those tough times for me having money equates to freedom and choice so I can now choose to send Jess to a school that I would like Jess to go to. So to me, that's brilliant that I've got the opportunity to make that choice and to give her an opportunity that I didn't have when you know when I was growing up. And I, I think she will excel in that environment. Um, you know, it's nice to have been able to take her to amazing... You know, she's very well-travelled. We've been on some mint holidays that have created experiences for us. And it's not always been the really fancy, expensive ones that she's raved about in fact I you know often say to people when I talk to her about oh where do you want to go this year what what should we do you know where's been your favorite holiday she often says to me well it was when we went to Birmingham because she came with me on that TEDx talk and got to hang out with the you know the film crew that were filming it and do all these really cool things and she loves all of that so you know it's with young kids it's often the simple things isn't it it's not the fancy holidays but for me it's definitely that whole freedom and security side of things I think that has always pushed me on and just the fact that I get a buzz off doing deals yeah makes me sound like a drug dealer (laughs) buzz off the deal I can relate to that like um when I was growing up I was like the girl in Edgebaston Birmingham so I understand why you love it so much but I used to help the milkman and then everybody in the area would be like oh because you go and collect the money so you're chatting with all these like really rich people and they'd be like oh do you know somebody who can walk dogs and I'd be like me do you know somebody who can clean me can't clean don't even clean my own house but you know what I mean like just that you do one thing and then something new will come from it I love that I love that it's about taking the podcast yeah taking opportunities seeing where conversations lead just being really open-minded and I think cool things happen opportunities yeah yeah I love all that I just need to turn it into money at some point (laughs) you're gonna have to coach me yeah it needs to make money (laughs) that's the thing like you can't do everything for free forever which is where I've ended up Uh, going down that sort of route careful with that yeah and I guess it might be a slightly 
I get, I don't know, just feeling like I should be giving back because yeah. I'm in such a fortunate position. But then, you know, it's not going to last forever. No. And I think as well, when you do too much stuff for free, it kind of devalues your time and mm-hmm. your people's perception of your value as well. So, yeah. you, you know, things like I, I had a really good chat with a business um, colleague ages ago where she was saying to me, I'm not... D- speaking at events anymore ever again for free because you know men always get paid for stuff and women are terrible and just you know are grateful for the opportunity but actually the amount of time that it takes to prepare for a talk to get there to do a talk blah 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 and there's this expectation often that you'll speak for free and I was like yeah you're right I'm not going to do that either um and I, I very rarely would go and speak at an event for free now because I don't need to and yeah. um you know I will if if it's for if it's something linked to the charity that yeah. I chair or you know linked to my old school or whatever you know I would do that but I think it, you get treated better as well because there's something just about that value exchange well, yeah, you know Sarah who um you work with uh, Sarah Bittendrick yes I heard you say her surname again <laughs> so she's coaching me at the moment oh, and she amazing. says like um you know people pay attention to what they pay for yeah we put a value on it so you know i'm sure you've signed up to a freebie course or something and then you never, you never do it whereas if you paid i don't know a couple of grand for it you'd think bloody i'll need to do that and get the value back so mm-hmm. i think as as women as well in particular sarah would definitely tell you this there's that whole thing around imposter syndrome oh we couldn't possibly charge that for this or whatever but actually why not if you're providing a service to someone there is value in that and we should mm-hmm. own that and we should be making sure that we are getting our, our worth and, and things like that and we shouldn't constantly bow down and do everything for free. Too bloody right. Yeah. So you've won loads of awards recently or been nominated for loads. Yeah. With your, so you sold your first business. I did, yeah. So the one that you started when Jess was two. Yep, sold that. How long did it take until you sold it? So I so so I started that business in 2013, and I sold and I had a co-founder at that point, and but he exited after maybe three years, I think, and then I sold it in 2019. Stayed on for my earnout, so do usually a year or whatever. So I had a year for my earnout. Stayed on for that. Was going to stay on for a bigger exit and get loads of money, but absolutely hated it. And you know, much as I've been talking about money and wanting the security, etc., it's not the be all and end all. You've got to, well, everyone will have other things that they value more than than money. And for me, it was integrity, <laughs> um, and you know, all sorts of other things. And I just wasn't enjoying it anymore. And I felt that I'd sold it to um, people that kind of didn't share my values mm-hmm. so I was getting more and more frustrated I was challenging things a lot with um you know investors that that supported that business and I just thought that's yeah, bollocks this and just decided to leave so the exit process I would probably say was as bad as a divorce actually because it was I was like leaving my baby my other yeah. baby my other child and it was really brutal and I felt that their treatment of me and it was only literally like two two people in that business everyone else I actually still speak to and and like and and respect it was just a couple of unfortunately very influential powerful people and I felt that they didn't treat me very well during that exit so what could have been an amazing exit where I'm now raving about how lovely they all are and still supporting the business it it was quite horrible and when I left I was just so battered like absolutely drained and then I couldn't operate in that market for nine months because you 
get all these exit restrictions. Yeah. So loads of things I couldn't do for nine months. So that was at the point where I was thinking, well, what the heck can I do next? And that was where the idea for Moja came from because I was thinking about what had made that first business successful was when I started doing loads of profile building things and it wasn't intentional. I didn't plan to go and do the TEDx talk or write the books or whatever, but it was that whole one thing, you know, leads to another and and that kind of thing. So, so we set Mojo up, literally I registered it the night (laughs) that my contract ended at the the business, literally. And I, I left that afternoon after months and months of discussions and then registered at a company's house that night. Wow. And um, and yeah, and then we had the launch party a couple of months later and we've been trading for, what, 18 months now? We've got... So what you did with Moja was not... It's not competing Com- at okay. all. No, no, it's completely different. It's completely different. And I did have a period of time where I thought, do I go back and compete and win all that, you know, get all those clients back? Because the clients were really loyal to me and they liked me and we got on and I'm friends with them. Like, they're mm-hmm. my friends. They're nice people. So a lot of them left when I left, which which I said to, to the business, this is a risk because if you're not treating me well, they're going to hear about this. Like, mm-hmm. people talk. It's a small industry and they're not going to like that you've not treated me fairly. So, you know, you just might want to think about that from a commercial point of view but they weren't really interested so they were they're quite arrogant they just thought they'd retain all these clients but it's been really funny seeing them leave and move on to to a competitor who I'm friends with as well yeah. and she, you know, she just texted me the other week to tell me about another one that's gone and I, I just think it's funny it's well, slightly karma, isn't it? it is business karma so um so yeah but yeah we're now 18 months in we've got a lot of clients throughout the UK. We've even got someone in Europe as, as one of our clients in Europe. Yay. But we've got all sorts of really interesting people. We won our first award for Moja uh, in May at the National Startup Awards. So we won the best PR startup, which was super cool. So we, we've got our first award on, in the cabinet. And then I've just found out that I've been shortlisted for the best business women awards in the um, best new business and best PR category. So... Sweet. Nice award ceremony to go to in September. So, yeah, it's cool. Real. And what's really awesome about what you do is it's quite accessible for everybody. Yeah. So if there's somebody listening to this who's, like, starting something up and they're looking to build their profile, they would come and work with you. Well, I would hope so. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, and do you know what, like... Yeah, anyone could come and work with us. You know, really they're going to have to be scaling it and have enough cash to... to justify working with us but the idea is that by working with us to raise their profile we we kind of do all the stuff that google would say about you so someone googles one of our clients all the stuff that pops up should be stuff that we've we've helped to get there so it's all sorts of activities it's helping them write their award entries it's helping them write their first book um podcast type things um articles speaking opportunities all of those things and that's underpinned by the press so the the press and pr side of things underpins all of it so it's just a different take on things. But, you know, if people are earlier on in their journeys or they're a one-man band and they're literally doing everything themselves and they're bootstrapping, we've got a free series of um, videos that will show yeah. you how to do it over on our YouTube channel. So mm-hmm. there's tons of content that we've produced that can teach you how to do it yourself that's free. So Yeah, like building up your profile everyone. and all this stuff. Yeah. But if you are working on your own. Yeah. But it's about you. <laughs> it is. And that's, you know, goes back to the imposter syndrome thing again, particularly for women, is some people feel a bit awkward about that. You know, how do I put myself out there? And, ooh, it's a bit painful. It's a bit cringe, which is why us doing it for them actually is quite 
is quite easy because then they don't have to do it themselves in that sense. But the reality is that the benefits that come from putting the spotlight on you, it, it spotlight, spotlights your business so effectively because people are more interesting usually than their businesses. And it's just proven to be a really successful way of growing your business. So mm. sometimes you've just got to jump on board and just do it. Really. What if you don't know what your business is? Well, that's <laughs> unusual. Most people who have a business know what it is. I'm just asking for a friend. Well, your friend should work with someone like Sarah Pittenjake, <laughs> who will maybe be able to work that out. Yeah. Very good. So I was going to ask you to leave us with your kind of tips of what a woman could do if they're leaving a relationship but also wanting to nurture like their business dreams Mm. like if you've got any tips because obviously you had to throw yourself into it yeah I mean that would be my tip because I think if you are coming out of a relationship you're battered anyway and you're Mm. dealing with all of that if you neglect the business you're going to lose that as well you know unless it's a hobby and, and you don't really need the money or you don't really want to put the time in and there's a lot of people that I meet at business events where they're like well I you know I don't I want a work-life balance and that doesn't exist when you're running your own business I'm sorry it just it might be an unpopular thing to say but the reality is to get to that point where you can totally choose what you do with your time takes a lot of bloody hard work before you get to that point it's Mm -hmm. It's, you don't have a really successful business working a four-hour week. You know, it's just a total myth. I think you can get to that point, to be fair. I think you can get to that point, but not without doing the, the 60 or the 80-hour weeks in those yeah. early years. So I think, you know, you've got to just throw yourself into it. And I think, you know, maybe it's holding a mirror up if you're in that situation to say, do I really want to do that? I'm going through the divorce. Is business for me as well? And if it is, great, because, like, for me, it was... It was my sanctuary. It distracted me when I was working. I wasn't thinking about the solicitor's letter that I had to respond to or the court date coming up or any of those sorts of things that happened during divorce. I was just in the zone of of doing the business stuff. But for some people, that actually might be a pressure too far. So maybe they should go and get a job, whether it's temporary or or whether Mm -hmm. that's where they end up going. The other thing is most people, well, not most people, I don't know, um, a lot of people would have a business partner or, or people that work in the business. So it's it's making use of, of those relationships. Or even if it's someone that is a one-man band or a freelancer or whatever, there will be some business networks that they go to. You know, one of the things that really helped me in those early years actually was I was going to a women in business networking event. Doesn't It's one that doesn't exist anymore. In fact, when it... Um, when it ended, we actually created City Ladies because we mm-hmm. we missed having having that sort of setup. And when um, when I used to go to that, there were always the same. There was like a hardcore group of women that used to always come to it, and then you'd get new faces each month. And about I think the seven of us ended up creating a group chat where we um, would talk about business stuff in there but then it quite quickly turned into like non-business stuff and I think half of that group were divorced with kids or with daughters weirdly or we've all got daughters and the other half were kind of um in relationships or whatever so we'd be chucking in all the romantic questions and we'd go out for wine and we'd go out for dinner and stuff and that group was really good for just kind of keeping me on track and keeping me focused and they understood the business challenges as well as the family yeah. and the divorce and all, all that sort of stuff and actually they were probably the first divorced people that I met a couple of women that were in that group because none of my friends were divorced and even now 
my friends outside of business, I, I don't know if any of them have got to, not really close friends. Uh, there's a lot of them that I think probably would benefit <laughs> from getting divorced. Um, you know, a couple in particular, when I see them, I'm like, come on, <laughs> is it not time? time? for you. Come is it not me. time? I do say that. And there's, there's one friend, I have to be careful, Kate. I don't think she, she would listen to that. Maybe she will. <laughs> but she... Um, she really should divorce her husband and he hates her coming around to my house because she's always really fiery when she comes back and like really challenging. So he doesn't like her to come around. No. But I'm like, you need to leave. It's funny that. Don't go see that woman who tells you to leave me. I know, how rude. That's really helpful. I love the idea that it is, it's that idea of, um, it's like a, in business, we call it like a mastermind, mm -hmm. but of other people, especially women who are going through similar things at the same time that also get the whole business thing. So you're all supporting each other in lots of different ways. Mm. It's important. I, I just, you can't underestimate it. It's finding your tribe and yeah. you know, being there for them. And actually, you know, that same group, um, they're so interesting because they're all we've all got very different businesses and there's a couple in that group that have now gone back into employment so the business side wasn't for them but we've still got business in common mm -hmm. and when I had that breakup with that on-off four-year guy that was just awful I was really heartbroken and they rallied around they're like right we're gonna meet at Tamar's house and you need to be there at six o'clock or whatever and one of them came and got me and took me there mm -hmm. and they'd ordered like takeaway they had loads of snacks wine sweets and they'd bought me all these lovely presents and so I had like a bag they, I think they called it the bag of happy and it had loads of lovely things in it and they were like you know you need to just dig into this bag whenever you're feeling sad and take something out of it and it had like chocolate and it had this really nice this this like coin that sort of said my super mom it was a bit cheesy but it was really nice and it was a nice it's sentiment a behind it and it's, it's in my purse now even and just loads of lovely really thoughtful nice things and you just need people that get it yeah sometimes get it can support the dream can commiserate when it yeah goes wrong but celebrate when things are good as well yeah exactly Important to do that because we forget that sometimes oh 100 percent. yeah the people that you can go to and be like this cool things happen and they're yeah. not like oh yeah Oh, thank you so much for coming in, Sophie. It's been That's fun. been really fascinating. It's funny how we can be talking for so many years and then I'm like, oh my God, I didn't know that. <laughs> it's always the way. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, then. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you again next time for another episode of Happily Ever After with me, Hannah. It would be amazing if you could leave a review and subscribe. And of course, if you've got a friend who might enjoy this episode, please do pass it on. For anything else, you can get in touch with me through Instagram at mumsdays or by my website, uh, mumsdays.com. And did you know that I've got a newsletter? So it's the best way to stay in touch and to make sure you don't miss any podcasts or any freebies or competitions that we're running. And again, you can sign up to that through the website.